good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Elena, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Elena. Hi, everybody. Um, I feel like I've uh, been uh, placed in a position of neutrality, like the big book talks about, uh, safe and protected with my alcoholic foods. So um, I'm going to um, tell you a little bit about my story and um, where it kind of um, applies in those four chapters that uh, Karen just talked about. Um, so I'm just going to quick introduction. Um, I've been in recovery since August of 1991. Um, I've lost about 120 pounds and I've kept it off. Um, I came in at age 24 and I've been in recovery for a little over half my life. Um, so do the math for you. I'm 52. <laughs> so, um, I've never been on a diet. Um, before recovery, I never lost a pound until I got into recovery. I never tried because I, um, I know now that I was powerless, but I, I didn't know that that, that was my problem. Um, uh, yeah, so I never tried any of like, uh, the commercial weight loss or, um, which I, which I would call like magic food. I do have some pictures gonna, that I'm going to pass around. Um, which I'll tell in my story, uh, in 2013, I was diagnosed with Cushing's disease and uh, I had gained 60 pounds in that, um, in that disease um, while being in recovery, while being abstinent. Um, it's a crazy story, which you'll hear a little bit about. So there are pictures of me in the last 10 years um, that have, uh, that I look different. So I'm just gonna pass those around. Um, so my first step one experience, um, um, so I'm about 20 years old and I'm going to a doctor's appointment and finally for the first time in my life, I think I have, I have this like moment of clarity. I'm still eating, but I have this moment of clarity. I'm going to talk to my doctor about weight loss and, um, you know, I'd never talked about it with anybody. And, um, so he goes, Oh, let, let me go get your pamphlet. He leaves the room. He comes back. And he's like, so he's opening this pamphlet. He says, you just, um, you just, uh, you know, watch what you eat, exercise and eat less and you'll lose weight. And I thought, dude, I never thought of that. <laughs> really? Uh, you know, um, so like, which brings me to, in the doctor's opinion, in the third edition, it's XXVI and the fourth edition, it's, uh, I have it written down, XXVIII, top of the page. Um, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on those chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types never can safely use alcohol in any form at all, and once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. And at the end of that page, men and women drink essentially, essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented, unless they can experience again the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. So, you know, like, had he told me that, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if I would have gotten recovery any earlier, um, but I was like, what I was was powerless over the food. Um, 
you know, I, I could not put the food down. Um, you know, uh, I was powerless then, and I'm, I'm, still, I'm still powerless. Um, you know, I, if I pick up food, I have no, you know, my, my sense of uh, making the correct decisions are, are wrong, are wrong. Um, uh, I mean, I just, I did a little outline here because I wanted to be cognizant of my time. Um, so still in the doctor's opinion on page XXVII, or in the fourth edition, uh, XXX, um, second paragraph from the bottom, um, all these and many others. Um, all these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy, which, defer which differentiates these people and sets them apart as distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have suggested is entire abstinence. So, um, you know, entire abstinence, what does that mean? Um, I, um, my brother got married and, um, you know, they saved the top of the wedding cake, you know, for the, for the first year anniversary. And I ate that cake. It was in my parents' freezer and I ate it. Um, and, um, my, um, so, you know, it was so, uh, I still have, uh, you know, it was very shameful. Um, and, um, I, you know, I would try to, for entire absence, I would try to decide, you know, which, which cookie took me out. Was it, like, the third one or the tenth one or, like, the sleeve, like, the box? Like, which one, wanted, you know, wanted to take me out? And when I, you know, when I talk now about, um, you know, when I'm talking with sponsees and talking about, you know, what their alcoholic foods are, um, I talk about it kind of like... Like, it's like a pilot light. Like, if your pilot light is always on, um, you know, if you're just going to treat yourself to, you know, I'm only going to have dessert on, like, Friday night or, or whatever. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to introduce this alcoholic substance. If you're even introducing it at a little, you know, once a week, you're keeping the pilot light on. And I, I have no, you know, I have no defense against that. If, if, I, if I allow that to happen, I, you know, I'm not, um, I'm I have no cho no choice in the matter. Um, you know, so when I came into recovery, what I wanted was, um, I think I really wanted you guys to tell me how, how I could eat sugar and get away with it. How, you know, how much can I do without, like, showing the consequences? Um, and, um, you know, for me, I cannot eat sugar. And, you know, and to sum up the doctor's opinion for me, it's an obsession of the mind an allergic response and a phenomenon of craving. Um, let me see my time here. Um, okay, seven minutes in. But yeah, there's a timer on there. Perfect. There's a clock at the top. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And okay, super. Um, so I want to take you into Bill's story on page eight, which is the same in everybody's book. Um, uh, the first, um, page eight, the first full paragraph, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quick sand stretched all around me, 
in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. Um, so how many times did I like cry myself, like cry myself to sleep? Um, like I said, never lost a pound until I got into OA. Um, and I would pray for, like I'd pray for miracles. Um, I, I'm not kidding you. Really, I, I really thought, you know, I would, the miracle, my miracle, if I could, you know, decide, would I be wake up like 100 pounds lighter and Channel 6 would come to my house and interview me and be like, my God, this is a miracle, you know? Like, uh, you know, how did you do it, you know? Um, and it's just my fantasy head of like, you know, what the food you know, what the food was doing to me. Um, my 21st birthday, um, my, I think I met my first Ebby, I would say. I had a coworker, um, and I worked at a veterinary hospital, and they had um, um, two, two college students that lived there so they could do, like, night technician work and whatever. So I, I, I got really close with the two girls that lived there. and So I spent a lot of time with this one girl, and... Um, she was, um, you know, she was like five foot five, like blonde hair, blue eyes, like, like this big, you know, um, and um, she was so super nice. And um, one time she pulls me aside and she says, um, you know, I see you're in a lot of pain. And, you know, I'm probably about 280. I see you're in a lot of pain. And she said, you know, my sister was just like you and she joined OA and she's not in pain anymore and she's like happy and she's lost weight. So she handed me two pamphlets. I don't remember what the pamphlets were, two OA pamphlets, but handwritten on them in her sister's handwriting was no sugar, no flour, no chocolate. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I, no, you know. I, and I just think it's funny, like chocolate is its own like category. <laughs> Right? Like, for me, chocolate is a food group, right? Like, um, you know. And so for three years, I had those pamphlets near, near my bedstand, and I would occasionally read them, still crying myself to sleep. But now I've heard of OA, right? I've heard of OA. And, um, but it still took me three years to get to my first meeting. And, um, and the thought of not eating those foods would just make me eat. Like, would just make me eat, like, just thinking about not picking up, I was like, I'm powerless. I still don't know it yet. I, that's the word. That is the word. I'm powerless, but I still don't know it. So what gets me in the OA? I am, my best friend's getting married. I'm in her wedding, and there's some of those pictures. Um, you know, it looks like I have like a, a curtain on. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. And those pictures, uh, I recently told my story for my uh, anniversary and the feedback from the pictures was like, it took me a while to figure out who you were in those pictures. So that's where I wrote my name over them. So you, if there's more than one person in there, you can tell who I am. Um, so um, my best friend's getting married, and I'm, I do dog agility, um, a competitive sport with my dogs, which is very physical, like you run around, of course. And at about 300 pounds, there's not much running going on. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I had a very competitive dog, but I wasn't doing my best, um, you know, because of my weight. And um, you would think one of those two things would wake me up and say, you know, you got to lose this weight. You're going to be in your girlfriend's wedding. You're showing this dog. You know, you're, you know, down at the Houston Astrodome showing this dog, and I'm, I can't hardly get around the ring. Um, 
so any of those things would make a normal person say, I got to do something, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do what my doctor suggested and, you know, watch what I eat. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm not a normal person when it comes to food. I am the real deal compulsive overeater. Um, so in, in the chapter, there's a solution on page 20. That's where it talks about the, at the bottom, moderate drinkers have little trouble giving it up if they have a good reason for it. I had plenty of good reasons to give it up, but I'm powerless. I still don't know that yet, but I'm powerless. Then there's a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually (coughs) impair himself. Somebody, you know, the doctor might say to him, you know, you need to stop this or you're going to die. And then he's like, okay, I can give it up. Still not me, right? I am um, 300 pounds. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink and that was me I was it was the first cookie that took me out it was the first one then it was you know and then it was until the and you know when the box was done that's when it was um so my first OA meeting I meet my second Ebby um it was August 8th 1991 it was a Thursday night Audubon Pennsylvania at the church that I grew up in Right, so I'm I'm like so afraid I'm gonna meet somebody at church that like knows me, and like the big secret is I'm like 300 pounds, but nobody knows it. That's what I'm telling myself, right? That's what I'm telling myself. Nobody knows I have a problem with food. Um, so I go in. Um, they have the regular, you know, OA meeting, and then this woman, this woman has the Elena meeting in the parking lot. Um, for an hour. And um, that day, I went for measurements for my wedding, for that wedding dress that I was in, like measured, like my arms, like everything. It was humiliating. Um, I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, got a family meal. I'm a party of one. I got a family meal, ate that, and went to my first OA meeting. Um, And this woman in the parking lot after the OA meeting says to me, do you feel hopeless? And I'm (laughs) snot-nosed, crying. And, um, and I said, yeah, I do. And she says, good. And I was like, I felt like, isn't this where you're supposed to hug me? Tell me everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Have a cookie. You know? And she's like, no. She's like, good, you are out of options. I think it sounds like you're ready. And um, I'm powerless. I don't know that yet, but that's when I'm, I'm powerless, right? And um, she asked me to... Um, she asked me to go home, br- you know, brush my teeth, go home, call her in the morning. She wrote her phone number down, put it in my hand. I went home, I brushed my teeth, I called her in the morning. And, um, and that's like that, you know, uh, it was like the, my first day of recovery, my first day of recovery. Um, took me three months to get my first sponsor. I was so blessed to have her as my first sponsor. She was in AA and OA. And um, she uh, said there wasn't enough step meetings in OA and that I needed to attend a weekly step meeting. And there was an AA step meeting on Tuesday nights that she was saving a seat for me. So for the first two years in my OA, uh, I went to uh, AA step meetings and I got this big book. I got 
an uh, AA 12 and 12. I got the OA 12. It was just 12. It was just the 12 steps. They didn't do the 12 traditions yet. I have that book. Um, and uh, and my, you know, my work got started. Westminster 30 questions. I called my sponsor every day. I wrote my food down. And she really helped me define my higher power and re- helped me rely on my higher power. She, like her, she told me her job was to guide my hand into my, spon- into my higher power's hand. That was her job to help me, to help me do that. Um, and, uh, she would remind me early on that, you know, all my six, all my weight loss success, um, you know, she's like, Elena, this is not you. This is God, this is God doing this for you. This is, you know, this isn't you. In my first like two years of recovery, I had two major slips. They were like one day slips, but they were major. They, and they were both around weddings, uh, both at weddings, um, wedding cake what can I tell you it seems to take me out um and uh I just I just couldn't handle all the uncomfortable feelings at weddings I was you know not seeing anyone I wasn't dating anyone I wasn't married it was like wow 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 right so um um so which brings me to in there in there is a solution page 22 the bottom of the page um, we are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever in his system, something happens both in bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. This experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend ever took that first drink, thereby setting never took that first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centered in his mind rather than in his body. So, um, so that's my problem. I am powerless and, um, it is my mind that, um, you know, if I just never, if I never ate sugar, um, you know, I wouldn't set off that, you know, the response, but my mind, my mind is the problem. That's where I need my higher power, um, to convene and help me. Um, I, you know, I am powerless, my notes here I have no control over choice willpower memory after that first bite and those that those wedding cakes you know did me in um I feel like my recovery story is a bit of a fairy tale my sponsor was married to somebody in recovery he was sponsoring so my sponsor set me up on a blind date with her husband's sponsee and uh, and it worked (laughs) Um, we got married, um, I'm still married, it'll be 24 years in November, and, um, you know, um, my wedding is, my wedding was full of recovery people, you know, and things are going along good, you know, my life is good, regular stuff happens, I have deaths in the family, dogs die, which are, you know, I show dogs, so they're, they're, I don't have any kids, they're my kids and um, you know things happen you get puppies it's stressful they die it's stressful like you know life right but recovery's going great um, and uh, so in 2009 I start not feeling well and um, it's um, you know there's some physical things happening um, but I'm you know and my doctor I'm in my 40s and maybe I'm in maybe I'm in early menopause that's what they say. Um, and like I start losing my hair and 
gaining weight, probably about 10 pounds a year. My blood pressure goes up. My skin is horrible. Um, and I start feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. Uh, um, and what I don't know is I have, uh, I have Cushing's disease, but it's been misdiagnosed. So I have cortisol racing through my body for like 24 people. I'm not kidding. Like I'm in like the uh, surgeon's journal. They did a write-up on me. Um, anyway, so I have all these feelings of like before I got in recovery, like restless, irritable, discount. I look like I'm eating my binge foods. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad. Um, and my sponsor keeps telling me, um, you are powerless over what's going on in your body. Like, you know, that you are powerless. This is your chance to get really close to your higher power. <coughs> and I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> this is hard. Like, uh, you know, I can think of other things that I, I would pick to get closer to my higher power. Uh, but I never blamed my higher power or anything on it. Um, but, um, you know, I would... What a, the only way I got through that whole ordeal was that I was in recovery and had a God to turn to that could really help me because um, I was powerless over what was happening to my body. Um, uh, it, was, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in recovery. Um, you know, I find, a, I find doctors, um, they take this tumor out of my lung and things start to to look up um I uh I'm uh let's um you know like I said the only reason I got through this was my higher power and I know it's um in page 53 in the big book which isn't on the first uh step but God is everything or else he is nothing God either is or he isn't so what is my choice to be? I believe in my higher power and I need to act like that. If I say I believe in higher power and, um, you know, God's got my back, then I have to act like that. My actions need to, you know, help with that. So um, that's what I've learned. Um, and, and, you know, I'm still powerless. Uh, I wake up every morning a compulsive overeater. I'm, I'm still powerless. Um, I have to hit the reset button. I, um, I, you know, I pray every morning before I get out of bed. Uh, and the um, set-aside prayer has really, I don't know, it's been a couple years. I can't tell you when I started that. But it has really helped me, um, you, know, I, you know. And it's, sometimes the longer I'm in recovery, the more I think I know. You know, I really think I know st- stuff. <laughs> And like what I see, I think is everything, right? But I only see a little, little bit, right? Like, uh, and that's just my selfishness of well, you know, it doesn't exist if I don't see it, you know. I um, so um, it's uh, interesting. I um, I'm gonna wrap up here because when I've Deborah speak, but um, I just um, you know. Um, I, uh, the 12 steps have given me my personal relationship with my higher power, my God as I understand him. Um, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful that I have the clarity of, uh, of power, that I am powerless. Um, and I just want to give you these five gems that sponsors have told me over the years. It's none of my business what others think of me. 
All the answers are in the big book. True. Mm -hmm. Pain is the touchstone to all spiritual growth. True. Mm -hmm. There are two kinds of business. My business and none my business. (laughs) (laughs) And examine your motives. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Deborah. My name is Deborah, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Hi, Deborah. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. I feel very privileged uh, to be here because I got to read the four chapters again and really see, like, oh, my gosh, that's where that is. That's where that is. So I want to read uh, the line that jumped out at me. It's in the doctor's opinion right after that the message must have depth and weight says their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives and I never read that Um, I went that is what this process has done it has recreated my life and it has saved my life my first meeting was in South Jersey you heard of South Jersey (laughs) Uh, down in Avalon, uh, July 31st, 1984. And I came into the room, it was kind of like this, it was at a hospital and um, all gray, and two very large women were there, had a lot of kids, so they were talking about their kids. And they read how it works, because back then it was really the AA literature and some pamphlets. And I related. But I felt like as they were talking about their kids, I didn't. And so at the end of the meeting, they um, both said they couldn't be there the next week. So they asked me if I could lead the meeting next week. And so I said, sure, because I'm a codependent, too. I'm in a couple other programs. And they said, oh, you might want to try a meeting in Summers Point. There's more people there. So that's really what I call my first meeting. I walked in and there was about 40 people there and we met in a children's room in a Sunday school. So we were sitting on these teeny tiny chairs and my little, my little, um, uh, my butt was hanging over. And I heard at that meeting, the problem is compulsion. I have a problem with compulsive overeating. I always thought it was the diet. It was which food? I'd be on the one food diet, just boysenberry yogurt or something. And I heard the compulsion, and it always amazes me how higher power works. Like, that's what dropped in. And I went, oh my gosh. I don't have any clue how to handle that or do anything to fix it. But like Elena shared, she didn't diet. I mean, she's the only one I've ever met in a way that's never dieted. <coughs> my life was spent dieting. I had a normal body till I went to college because I went to a prep school and I was required to take two hours of sports every day. So whatever I would eat um, didn't stay on me on the outside. But once I got to college, I didn't play sports and I gained 35 pounds the first semester because there's all the snacking that goes on and then when someone gets pinned, um, you would just eat all this food. And I didn't know what was going on, and my roommate says to me, you need new underwear, because I said, it must be, the dryer must be shrinking it or something, because uh, that wasn't better. So I come in July 31st, and 
I, uh, I jump in full force. I, like I do with anything new, I'm like, tell me what I do. So I took direction. I didn't know that was going to be a big deal as part of this program. And uh, I got a sponsor. I got a food plan. The food plan was just don't eat sugar and try to have three meals a day. And I hadn't done that since I was a child to really eat sort of sanely like that. But I was still eating flour and a lot of fats and lots of snacks, but I wasn't eating sugar. And the weight started to really fall off me. And um, the meetings that I went to were mostly women way older. And they talked about recipes and sharing things like that and their kids. And it didn't matter. I was hearing the message that I was powerless. And I really knew, so you think about, well, what, how do you take the first step? Um, and for me, it really took me. I've maintained a 60-pound weight loss. I've been very fortunate to go through most of my life thin. But for me, it's the obsession of the mind. And I looked up some words, you know, the uh, entire abstinence, entire psychic change, essential, and I thought, wow, these are good things to look up every now and then. So what does it mean, entire? Complete, whole, no reservations, total, all. And then it says also you need an essential psychic change. And that means necessary, inherent, indispensable. So I come in that first year, and I am doing everything and I'm looking like the whiz kid, and you know, I, I went to all the workshops. I um, loved it. And then what happened was, and, and the truth is, and I love the big book, I don't know what happened. You know, when they, they do that, well, he, he should know not to drink because he has such a lovely wife. And, you know, why did they drink? And I don't know why. I just know that there was a box of candy at the holiday, like a year and a few months later, in my workplace. And no one was there. So I decided to just look at the candy, like what's in that, you know? Oh, that must be a caramel. That must be one of those sponges. I like the sponge things. And was pushing on all of them. Um, because I hadn't had sugar for a year and a couple of months. So what do you think happened? You know, it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I ate all of them, and, uh, and then I was off to the races, which was really off to Wawa, off to all the junk food again. And it was very scary. Uh, I am very, very blessed because I learned you never stop going to meetings. And I was really not a nice person. I was Betty Backrack was where I don't know if you you guys have been around for a while, but Summers Point. I was going to all these meetings, and from where I was living, it was an hour drive. So you have to get stuff to eat, going up and back. And I was just binging like crazy. And I come to the meetings. I'm like, works if you work it, you know. Going to the meetings, just eating, and um, they all were loving me, hugging me, and saying, keep coming back. You know, it works. And I had a lot of questions, and finally someone said, you're a sponsor. And I said, oh, well, I call people. And so I got a sponsor who was really miss away. She quoted the big book. 
So I followed her around, and she never was home. She never called me back, so she wasn't a very good sponsor because she could quote the big book, but she really wasn't there. So my next one, my first one, real one, had five kids under the age of 10. She was always home. <laughs> always home. And she today still is my best friend. Her youngest child's my godchild. And because um, I always go, how old are you? Oh, I've been in 35 years, so that makes you 34, you know. Um, and just the people that we meet along the way. You know, I think, and she, <laughs> she jokes, she goes, you talk so much, I could never do that again. You know, but she had the kids all hanging on her, and I'd be like, la, 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 la. and what does this mean? And I'm, you know, and I thought I wanted to be an actress, so I started doing extra work in um, Atlantic City with some movies that were coming in. And, um, but I wasn't connected, and if I look back and say, how come I, I relapsed? It's because I really wasn't authentically me. I wasn't, like, integrated. And to look at all the patterns, and that's where the four-step comes in, just like, what, what was driving me? Because I, I had a drivenness, and still can, and I have a, um, a real strong self-destructive streak, a part of me, that was really acted out with food, and I have to be very careful with that. I can do it in other areas. I did it with alcohol. I did it with spending. To really catch that, that is a major... A defect that was on my very first list. You know, I have a sabotager, and that as long as my food plan is good and that I am working and hanging in the uh, the pack here, uh, there's hope for me. So, a little bit about my family. I come from a long line of alcoholics and food addicts. Surprise! You know, how did I get here? Uh, I think there is a genetic piece. My mom was the undereater, so she controlled everything. Like, you're not going to eat that. You're not going to wear that, are you? <laughs> and, and then her mother, my grandmother, was obese and used to hide chocolate bars all around the house. So as a grandkid, you come and go, hi, Grandma. Like, now it's like, find it game. And I hated the ones with the almonds in it because it took up the chocolate <laughs> space. And um, just was always hearing about food and weight and not having that and you should have that. <coughs> so um, I, as I said, I didn't show up on the outside with this disease, but I was compulsively eating. I go to college, gain all the weight, I drop out, my mother is sure I'm pregnant. Um, and I remember like she so doesn't know me because when I'm well, at that point, I was 35 pounds overweight, more by then. I, I dropped out after the first year. That I didn't want anyone to look at me. I didn't want to date. I didn't feel good about myself. So what started really the rest uh, is all my 20s and half of my 30s was the yo-yo dieting, the obsession, the how do I look compared to you? you? Are your thighs bigger? Is your butt bigger? You know, I should wear that. Well, that looks good. Just always everything was out there everything was people pleasing too i was such a chameleon like okay this is what i look hey i was doing extra work warren Beatty had a um, movie he was so i got to meet him and i was like man did he look bad compared to <laughs> what he looked like in the movies but it was sort of like this life and i had the big and it was like come on over here what's i'm an extra you know and i um got to have like that piece 
But then what happened when I went home, I was really lost. And I, I was working the steps. I had a, the two-week uh, really relapse that my last relapse, and I'll tell you what happened because that's all <coughs> part of this. How did I take the first step? Um, was I had been, the last thing I ate were boxes of sugar frosted flakes with heavy whipping cream and chocolate brownies. And I, I couldn't get enough. I mean, you, I just stuffed myself. And then I would exercise too. That was the other part that um, I sort of, I guess I would be a bulimic exercise person, but I would eat large quantities and I hated to throw up, so then I would exercise. And there was a meeting in Brigantine uh, years ago, and I had a stationary bike, and I remember I had gotten um, back out of relapse, and after that meeting, it was Saturday morning, people would go out to eat. And it was sort of this whole family thing, which we don't do as much anymore, where people really get to know you. And I had a stationary bike, I had eaten all this food, and I got on the bike and I was pedaling like a madman and the pedal came off and I flew over the stationary bike and fortunately didn't hit the TV or cracked my teeth. But that's when I sort of was, something's really wrong here. I am I'm sick. It isn't just about the food. It is more than that. It's, there's the way I do my life, you know, and, and our literature says, you know, it's a design for living. This program as a design for living and I didn't know I was living in reaction to everything as I said I'd be a chameleon I'd wear what I thought looked good on you and would like you to like me and so who am I really and that's always been my sort of call is that I used to say when I would share when I first came in that if you could open my head up 97% of my thoughts were uh, about food, how I looked, weight, clothes, how did I compare? The other 3% was, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? How do I connect with the world? And now, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you know, I have a real connection with my higher power. And what really matters is enlarging that. How do I stay in fit spiritual condition? So I want to kind of just go back to, I left you like in my relapse. So I was eating the sugar frosted flakes and what actually took (laughs) the first step for me, I was driving home from work and it's a long ride home and I was already planning to go to Wawa and I was thinking of all the things I was going to eat. And I just thought, kind of it's the same thing. It's, it was winter time, it's dark, and I'm driving down this longshore road into Avalon, and I said, because I, I was raised sort of Quaker, and, and then I was a Christian, or I am a Christian, and so I would talk to God, but God wasn't in me. God was over there, and I said, well, God, I know you're there, and you've been watching me destroy myself, and I'm going to continue to do it, because... I can't stop. They didn't be like, I cannot stop. I am going to stop at Wawa. 
and I'm going to continue to do, I'll never get out of this relapse because I've been going to meetings. I know about the steps. I have a lot of understanding. And I said, well, I'll, I'll wage any of this. If I get to the light and it's red, I'm going to stop, and then the Wawa was right there on the left. If it's green, I will keep going home, and I won't stop. But as I was getting up to the light, I'm slowing, you know, because I wanted to eat. So I come up, and it was the longest green light I'd, I, I really think. There is a God because of this. I'm serious. I slow, slow, and I'm like, man, this thing's not changing. It's not changing. So I go, okay. And then I go, and that is the last time I had sugar. And that was November 9th, 1985. How did that happen for someone who was living on it? Now, and that was the beginning because I said, How did I take step one? It really took me, really took me. And I'm powerless. And I looked up powerless. Have you guys done that? In, in recently, like, I'm like, Wow, it means lacking strength, ability, or capacity to perform or act efficiently or effectively. I, I cannot be effective with the food. <coughs> I cannot. And when that craving starts, it's all over. You know, so that's my problem. I am powerless. I lack the ability. I, I, I just don't have that. And the funny thing is, I lack it in many other areas, too, uh, with people. What people are going to think, what people say, it's really powerlessness, and powerlessness is at, the, at its best when I'm humbled and when I go, I know I can't do this. And I, I'm amazed that I'm here after 35 years, that it is the only thing that worked, because I did try everything, and it is the best life. And what's neat is that when I started talking about um, um, the problem has been solved in these people, <coughs> that it really did recreate my life. And the more I have worked the 12 steps, the more I find out who I authentically am. And I really um, like myself. And if what I don't like, I can change it, because I have that ability to step back. Plus, I have a whole pack around me. I have a lifeboat that's away, and all the people that are in the lifeboat, you know, all the life preservers. No, the ones you wear, the ones you don't eat. <laughs> um, that I now know, as Elena was talking, it's my mind. And I looked at what my mind was when I was into the food. Lots of self-hate, chameleon that I told you, never enough, never enough. Striving, pushing, um, and I had that, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Because it seemed that people like the doctor just don't have that. Just don't. And that would not happen, you know. Um, and I'm thinking of a couple things, too, about the food. I was, had different roommates through my life. And the one roommate, I don't know how she does. She can drink and she can control it. People really can control it. And she loved chocolate Hershey Kisses. And it had been Christmas time. And she's one of those coupon buyer things. And she had, like, four bags of the red and green Hershey Kisses. And she was out with someone, and I had them, and had all of them. And she also liked to dip it in peanut butter, of course. So I had the peanut butter with that. 
And then what happened, I'm like, oh, I'll just go buy and replace them. You know, she won't notice. But red and green weren't out anymore because it was past the <laughs> holiday time. So I had to, like, say, you know, I, um, what did you say? Yeah. Um, I had to say that I ate them all. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, well, you eat them. But you only eat them like she puts three out at a time. And, I, I, you know, she's still a very good friend of mine. But it just amazes me that people don't just get sucked in with the food. And for me, it's the mind now. And that's um, kind of what I wanted to talk about is to enlarge my spiritual condition. Because um, there is no other way except to connect with this higher power. And it's changed. My higher power was sort of the, the little genie in the body bottle. You know, like, let me just, could you do this? And I'll do that. And it was always sort of this back and forth. And, um, and, and I'm very grateful. I always go back and thank God, you know, good job, do a lot of high five. Good job, good job, you know, for answering um, my prayers. And then really getting into the big book and learning about uh, service, Letting go, surrender, that would be like really the, the main metaphor for the first step to me, is just I have no power, God has the power, but I have to clean out the gunk in here so his power can come in and I can join into this stream of life. And that is still true for me. I get gunked up. I know I have, um, I like looking at bumper stickers or things that are written on the back, and I thought, oh, I'll write down some of these that um, you might, like the how's my driving thing. <laughs> Ever seen that? That's what I call the 10th step. And I'm saying, like, how is my driving? How is my program doing? And I have a sponsor, and I have people in program that I can say, you know, let me run this by you, because the world is really crazy, and I can be crazy with it, and I have to say, is this normal? How would you deal with this? And that's been when I was talking to my sponsor, and she said, oh, I'll be praying for you. And, and, and we just say, how did we get to get here and stay? And Because um, I don't weigh and measure at this point. Um, what we both do is we just get honest and I know if a food's calling to me and it can be planting chips because I still don't have sugar, I don't have flour, I don't feel like I don't have a lot of things <laughs> but I am healthy and I am free and there's someone that says you've probably heard it, how free do you want to be and I want all the freedom there is and whenever I hear that being said on the meetings how free do I want to be? I always say, how full do I want to be with God's presence? You know, shifting it over to my higher power. Because I cannot be free on my own power. And how full do I want to be? How, you know, that whole thing about being my best self, um, I don't know how to do that. All I know is that if I stay here and I hear you talking, you talking about having part of your lung taken out and different things that I've gone through um, and we are bouncing on that lifeboat, uh, it all turns out and I get to see and I get to grow at the end of it. It's a lot of times I always say, 
He just gave me Bailey's Irish cream and ice cream to really get these deep spiritual messages. But it doesn't seem to happen that way. I know, is that fair? That's going to be a real question I'm going to ask my higher power. You know, and when I think also of just my higher power, uh, at St. Peter's Gate when I die, I think he's just going to like shrug his shoulders if he has shoulders and go, why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you just trust me? My life, it, it has been when, I, when I'm in those things without crying and calling people and running things, I, it just, I get steered. I, I do, because I get, again, if I'm working the steps, I get the gunk outside of me, and uh, the Spirit of God can come through, and that's kind of really where I am now. When I think of the first step, the powerlessness, I am powerless, and I can, I've listed what else am I powerless over, um, and I know that, so I don't put my energy there, you know, that is not my monkey, it's not my circus, because I will wrestle with the monkey in the circus, to say, oh, no, no, that's right. I, I don't do that, you know, but to enlarge my, my spiritual condition is for me to really be silent. And I recently shared at AA the 11th step, and I read it in the AA book, and I never read this line either. When it says about meditating, it's important to have it a vision or envision your spiritual objective. And I went, when was that? I've never done that. So now I'm saying, what is my spiritual objective? In my program? In my 11-step work? And it is to have conscious contact. It's that simple. I would like conscious contact continually. That's not happening, but I can tune in like a channel to really hear, because I still have my own agenda, I still have let me do it my way, and when I go, whoa, whoa, I'm being led. It's God's will, not mine. I can say all these things, I love our literature, but how do I really step back? And I looked up humility, I've looked up that many times, and the one definition I like is deferring to another person. And that's what I feel with my higher power. I am deferring to my higher power because I don't run my life well. I just don't. And I can make up all sorts of things, and that's why I have you all to call and say, are you making that up about this? And then people will say, no, I think that was a compliment. Really? You know, to sort of set my, uh, my sights correct. So to really be led by God to allow his power to come in. It's like he gives me little packets of power when I go like this. And to learn that that is a recovery for me at this point, to um, continue to sort of look back. I'm gonna get a puppy in three weeks, and I've been watching all these puppy videos, and it's big as they, that the one I have is this, you know, attention is the mother of all behaviors. And that's what I'm doing with, with God. My attention toward God, not you know my food plan at this point. Not how am I gonna, it's like, let me, okay, here, what's what? And then I have to listen. It never happens quick, I want the postcard. You know, not with the email or the text, but it's really taking time to be silent. And you know what? It works, it really works. So thank you. Thank you.